What's up, everybody? Perry Aston here, co-founder of the Unwrap Sports Network, asking you to check us out on Sportscaster, the host of this podcast, as well as many other Unwrap Sports Network members from across the entire country, are streaming live on Sportscaster. You can live chat with your host, even send them virtual gifts and tips to keep them churning out the best content that you love. So head on over to sportscaster.com slash unwrapped. That's sportscaster, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R. Or download the Sportscaster iPhone app and tune into the entire Unwrapped Sports Network live on Sportscaster. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam, of course, and with me is Jake, and we are here to talk about the Colts' massive victory over the Houston Texans, 30-23. The Colts improved to 4-2 and on the year, 2-0 in the division, and that means a lot in terms of playoff seeding and early and early season uh, seeding as well. The Colts are now first place in the AFC South, and as we're recording right now, the Seattle Seahawks and the Baltimore Ravens are playing right now. But if the Baltimore Ravens were to lose their matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, I believe the Colts move into third, um, third in the third slot in the AFC. So, Colts were able to are able to position themselves in the playoff seeding with this win. Now their schedule is getting a little bit easier uh, for the next month or so. But man, Jake, that that game was so impressive from Jacoby Brissett. I think we just need to go right into it with Jacoby. We talked about it on the show. We talked about it on the preview show. If Bauer and Riker are going to look at Brissett and see if he's the guy, this was one of those games where they were going to look at and see if he did, if he is the guy and he plays good, he is, he is the guy, or he played bad and struggled and he might not be the guy. And he exceeded expectations for him. I think both of us, because we even talked about it midway through the second, third quarter, where man, he was just throwing some beautiful balls to wide open receivers and. Able to pick apart that Houston defense. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it for those of the for those of you who didn't listen before the bye week. You know, Jacoby Brissett has not played bad in any stretch of the season. No, we're not going to criticize him for the way he played going into the bye week, but he had cooled off a bit. I mean, the one area where he had really, really excelled going into the last two games was the red zone. He had kind of cooled off there. There were some reading issues. We felt like that there were times where he bailed out of the pocket too early. Um, and that, that didn't happen over the last, uh, over this game. I mean, this was a game where he showed true franchise quarterback stuff. And he really kind of brought back the the hope that he had brought the first couple weeks of the season. And really, I think felt I felt like he took his game to the next level because even though he was playing well the first couple weeks, there were a lot more chunk plays or a lot more downfield passing attempts. He he looked a lot more poised in the pocket. There were things that I saw in this game that I have yet to see from him this year. And, you know, we had talked about it on the last show. What would the bye week do for him? I mean, regardless of a lot of people talk about he's cool under pressure, he, he's a leader on this team naturally. So I think a lot of people expect him to just go into this transition seamlessly, but the reality remains he replaced Andrew Luck with two two weeks before the season started. He came into this whirlwind, a lot of close games, a lot of expectations, 
um, for him. He had a lot of pressure on him. Would the bye week allow him to mentally reset and refocus? And, you know, I, I mean, obviously this is the first game back. Bright deserves a ton of credit. Houston has a, a bad secondary, you know, all those things. But regardless, what we've seen from Jacoby Brissett today was nothing short of outstanding. I mean, you couldn't have asked for him or any other quarterback in this league to play a better game than he played today. We, we, and we struggled to run the ball. I mean, he didn't have a ton of help on the ground. He, he really led this team today. He, it was a really balanced attack. There wasn't heroics from T Y Hilton. You know, he put this offense on his shoulders and I felt like for the first time this year really commanded a win for us. And I think that moving forward, like you said, this is an X factor game. When they go back and look, this is going to be a huge game on his resume moving forward to see, is he the guy, is he the guy starting in next year in the second year of his contract? And I'm just really, really impressed with what he did today. He did a lot of the things that we talked about needing to read defenses better. I thought he did that outstanding, you know, hanging tough in the pocket. He took a lot of hits today and never flinched. I was really impressed with that. Still delivered accurate strikes down the field, too. I dropped a, another big one that would have helped the stats even more. But, I mean, all in all, just an outstanding day for Jacoby, and I'm really, really happy for him because the best thing for Colts fans, a lot of people talk about outside quarterbacks, but ultimately the best thing for us is for him to develop and him to be the guy, and you couldn't have asked for a better guy. I mean, he's, he's an unbelievable guy, an unbelievable leader on this team. So I'm really, really happy to see him come out of the bye week, settle in, and have a phenomenal game in what was – arguably our biggest game of the year. Yeah, and you talked about we didn't we, we talked about it. the Texas run defense it only allowed 90 yards per game, but they were averaging about five, I think it was about 5 yards a carry. And so we were thinking we were both thinking maybe Mac can you know have a successful day and our running game for the most part was just non-existent and for and you talk about the lack of lack of help we got from the run game. We got to give credit to Zach Pascal and Eric Ebron and T.Y. Hilton. They brought their A games today. Especially Zach Pascal scoring those two touchdowns in the red zone, and Eric Ebron, after a couple of games where um, he just hadn't been involved in the offense really at all, he ends up scoring that touchdown. He had four critical catches again on. I don't know, a couple of them were on third down, uh, and a few of them were in the red zone. We got to give credit to a couple of our pass catchers who have really stepped up this week against the Texans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pascal has really been thrown into kind of that second wide receiver position with, you know, Deion Kane still not looking completely healthy or or just, you know, kind of struggling to acclimate himself to the league as essentially a rookie in this league. You know, Paris Campbell is injured. and He still wasn't producing before. Uh, you know, we know the inconsistencies from Chester Rogers. So for Zach Pascal to be able to step up and, and Eric Ebron also for Zach Pascal to step up and have the type of day he did. And knowing Frank Reich, knowing that the Texans were going to do everything in their power to stop T.Y. Hilton. I mean, if we heard about it all week, you know, Frank Reich heard about it all week. And I think it was huge that they had another guy in that wide receiving core step up and be able to take some of that burden off T.Y. Hilton because he couldn't win this game today by himself. You know, he they they didn't do a great job covering him, but it was better than what we've seen. There weren't just these, you know, blasphemous 50 yard touchdowns where he was wide open that we've seen in the past. So they did shore up their their defense on him. And Zach Pascal came up with a couple or well, more than a couple, quite a few really nice plays in this game that really helped aid this. And in terms of Eric Ebron, you know, you you had messaged me during the game that you were extremely happy for him in terms of his professionalism in accepting kind of his struggles and the demotion, handling it like a pro. 
And he came out today and really redeemed himself. And, you know, he quietly within myself, I felt like this was a guy that really had to come up to play today because I didn't expect Pascal to do what he did. He just blew me away. But I really was hoping that Eric Ebron could be that second guy to step up. I mean, he's expected to be a dynamic player on this team, a leader on this team. And he was outstanding today. I mean, this was his best game of the season by far. Maybe the bye week did him some good as well. I also thought Frank Reich did a good job kind of simplifying the game for Ebron again. And also giving him some easy pass attempts, allow him to use his athleticism and size to make some plays. I thought that helped him out a lot, too. But I think you hit the nail on the head. It had to be balanced today. You know, we we joke around about T.Y. getting 200 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, that wasn't really possible today with the way they were playing him. And, you know, we needed this balance offensively. And I credit Frank Reich. I credit the pass catchers. Like you said, we had really no drops today. And and also Jacoby Brissett for for putting the ball accurately all game long. It was just really a flawless performance for the most part offensively. And especially, like you said, the passing game. Let's go to the Eric Ebron touchdown. Frank Reich actually gave a quote at, in the post-game press conference. He said, to expect Quentin Nelson to line up at fullback more often. So I think we need to start set the over-under at zero and a half for Quentin Nelson touchdowns the rest of the year. Yeah, he, he lined up in the fullback, and that's the first thing I thought. I think that's maybe both. I, I think you and me both were like, oh, crap. Quentin Nelson's either going to get a carry here or he's going to get a touchdown touchdown reception. Yeah, I had to squint at the screen a little bit. Uh, you know, I was like, is that 56 in the back? Because I was yeah, like, well, me who's too. Yeah. And it almost takes the, you know, it all. It, it, I love the I love the idea because it doesn't make you one dimensional throwing, even though he's not in his p- traditional guard spot, because you can still run it in behind him. So the playbook's still completely wide open. And you also utilize his athleticism a little bit and create a little bit of a decoy. I mean, it didn't really because Jacoby just made an outstanding play. Eric made an outstanding play. But I really like the creativity by Frank Reich in that situation. And, you know, I, I would like to see that more. I mean, why not? I mean, if, if you know, if you see a situation where you feel like you can follow Quentin Nelson in there, go ahead and do it. Or if you see a situation where he can take advantage on, on some miscommunication or some undisciplined defense, throw it to him I think he can catch it I mean is there anything Quentin Nelson can't do at this point so why not give him a couple touchdowns on the season also yeah I just I was looking at that play I'm like wait two black armbands number six was the second number oh wait that's Quentin Nelson and then I look up I'm like holy crap that's Quentin Nelson are they really gonna throw him a pass here that's what I usually when they throw in a lineman there they run play action and the lineman's usually open in the flat Uh, I don't think what Nelson was open in the flight there but I really want to credit Jacoby Brissett because that was one hell of a throw to Ebron. Ebron made a hell of a catch too, but that was a very good throw by e, um, by Brissett to throw it up to Ebron over the over the defender and allow Ebron to make a play on that ball. Yeah, and that's why I, I told you I had to squint at the screen because you know I, I've seen you see now. I mean, with uh, Matt Nagy does this quite a bit. You see them bring extra offensive linemen in as decoys or you know catch touchdowns, but it's rarely one of your starters. It's usually one of the backup guys. You know, sometimes they have big athletic tackles. Uh, you know, that are backups that are able to kind of scoot out there, but rarely is it your starting offensive lineman. So you know, I, like I said, like you said, it was kind of like who who is that? And and you see it's Quentin Nelson. So I thought that was a really cool thing in the game to watch but yeah I mean Jacoby Brissett made a perfect throw Eric Ebron made an outstanding catch it was really reminiscent of what we saw of Ebron last year it was really great to see him get this get his feet off the ground going into this stretch of the of the season and and hopefully it's the start of something good for Ebron because we know mentally he can hurt himself and mentally he can help himself so maybe this springboards him into the rest of the season 
we talked about Frank Wright getting the bye week and how he can implement new things. And we saw it with the Braun touchdown, put Nelson in in, in the uh, fullback position. They ran that, sh- that that beautiful shovel pass to uh, Zach Pascal. But then we saw it out of nowhere. Zach Pascal throws a pass to Naeem Hines, and if he throws that accurately, you know, doesn't overthrow him by five yards, that could have been a touchdown probably. And that's something we probably never would have kept, would have saw coming. No, and I think, you know, I tweeted out during the game, giving Frank Reich two weeks to prepare for someone is not fair. And, I mean, I it, it's not completely serious, but I think he just got so bored in this game with the play calling. He just had to pull a couple tricks out. I mean, you know, consistently our wide receivers were so wide open. This is the NFL, man. Guys are not supposed to be this wide open. And how many times, Jacoby Brissett threw this ball completely accurate today, but how many times were our guys screaming across the field wide open? I mean, it's, it was just toying with them at certain points. I mean, it was reminiscent of what we saw last year with Reich scheming against the Texans. I mean, you cannot, with, a, with an opponent he's familiar with, two weeks of rest, two weeks of preparation, it just wasn't fair. There was nothing Houston could do to stop this guy. He was red hot. He had a little bit of a hiccup that we'll probably talk about in the, th- in the fourth quarter with the play calling. But all in all, I mean, I just felt like Frank Reich was toying with him all day. He was just on another level. And when we talked about it in the preview show, that was where I felt like the difference in this game was going to be is Frank Reich out coaching Bill O'Brien and, and their defensive staff also. And I feel like Frank Reich just ran circles around him. I mean, I thought that we had an advantage coaching, but it felt like Reich was just on another level. And it was so fun to watch this offense operate today. I mean, you talked about the creativity and, and you know, he really set Jacoby and this passing game up into some really favorable situations. Yeah, we we talked about it uh, midway through the third quarter. We're like, man, this offense is hot. And I, I even told you off air, I said, hey, this game is probably going to be schemed offensively a lot like the Atlanta game where it's a lot of quick passes, spread them out, five receiver sets. And we saw that a little bit early on. Uh, but yeah, man, we got to give credit to Frank Wright. He needs to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year, of course. Uh, taking over, or Jacoby Brissett, you know, taking over Brissett now has 14 touch, passing touchdowns on the year. That's probably top three in the NFL, you got to say. But, man, just giving, we got to give credit to Frank Wright. Yeah, they, the fourth quarter wasn't great. It almost felt they were playing super conservative. And I think the time was thrown off. And I even texted you, I say Houston's blitzing a lot. And we just need to run the ball or throw some quick passes. But, I mean, the Colts did enough offensively to win the game. They ended up scoring 28 points on offense. Didn't punt the ball till I want to say, about the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. So that's something really impressive to say. Yeah, I mean, they just dominated this game on that side of the ball. And, you know, I mean, it, we – Houston's secondary isn't great, but that's still a good defense. I mean, their front seven is still high quality. I felt like, you know, they did a, a pretty good job of keeping Jacoby upright with, with how much we threw. He did take, he did take some hits today, but you know, I felt like the offensive line did a commendable job. Um, you know, with, they really have two really good rushers with merciless and Watt, and they have up the middle with, with reader and, you know, uh, McKinney in the back and uh, the in the linebacker spots a really high quality player and they have Cunningham so that front seven is still quality and you know all in all we just really abused that whole defense in the passing game and and uh, you know give equal parts credit in my opinion to Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett and the and the pass catchers because you know it was really it's such an equal effort by that by that trio to help carry us to a win and it was just it just the score didn't feel like it was a seven point game I mean at the end we're sitting there kind of biting our nails with an MVP candidate getting the ball at the end, but you know, it it didn't feel like a seven point game. I I went away, you know, after the nurse kind of settled down, I was like, man, we really handled them in this game. We really should have won 
by two possessions at least. And that that's what was great to see. We didn't luck into this win. This wasn't some kind of fluke crazy plays that led to this win. The Colts came in and, you know, they kind of flipped the script from the Kansas City game, which is one thing I'm so impressed with Frank Reich. He wins in so many ways. This offense can win in so many ways. And you saw the ground and pound versus Kansas City. And if they tried to use that philosophy here, they don't win the game because Houston, as you said, a much better run defense than Kansas City. So what does Frank Reich do? He puts the ball in the hands of Jacoby Brissett and they go out and win the game passing. So it's very impressive. And that's playoff caliber team play when you can win in multiple different ways. It's easy to win when you have a favorable matchup. But the Colts' best attribute offensively so far this year has been running the ball. And, you know, if you tell me that Marlon Mack has 50 yards rushing and we struggle with our yards per carry average. I don't think that our chances are very good because I feel like we still need to be balanced, but all in all, the offensive passing game was just overwhelming today. And Houston had no chance to stop them. Even when they scored, you know, they had that drive where they scored in like 40 or 50 seconds. It was an extremely quick drive in the third quarter. We came back out and just methodically moved it. Like we had been all game and they just, I, that had to deflate the hell out of them because there is nothing you can do to stop what Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett was doing to you today. And crazy stat here. Colts only ran for 62 yards. They didn't have a rushing first down. All their first downs, five of them came via penalty, but 18 of their first downs came from a pass. So that's insane. And, yeah, it just seemed like Mack wasn't – he wasn't able to get – you know, usually he has one where he, you know, cuts around the line then bursts through for about a 10 to 15-yard gain. He just really didn't have that in, in today's matchup, which I, I credit Houston. Like you said, they've got an incredibly great front seven. Uh, but it, they showed that they really are a top 10 Russian defense. Yeah, they, it was impressive by them. I mean, give give no give give a ton of credit to Houston because, you know, we know that the Colts are a legit rushing attack. We know this offense is uh, offensive line is top five in the league. And, you know, Houston did what they had to do. I mean, you talk about Marlon Mack. He's really good at breaking tackles, which there were a couple times that if he he breaks a tackle at the line of scrimmage, he probably gets a big chunk. But, you know, they they were really sure handed with their tackles. They didn't let him break that line of scrimmage and get to the second level where this Colts offensive line and Marlon Mack are at their best. When those guys can get to the second level and you get Marlon Mack in space with nobody touching him, it's off to the races because he's so physical and fast. But they really didn't allow him to get going. He had early on in the game, he had like three or four straight carries with like five yards, five yards, five yards. And I thought, okay, well, this is going to be one of those days where he just like five yards him to death. And then they really tightened up and didn't allow him to get anything. There were a lot of tackles, you know, close to the line of scrimmage or two yards here. I mean, so I give them a ton of credit and and give Frank Wright credit for not being bullish on this. You know, you need to score points. You can't mess around with Deshaun Watson on the sideline. And they realized early on and they, they saw I'm sure on tape that the way to attack this Houston defense is attack their secondary. And that's what he did. He trusted his franchise quarterback. And again, the team deserves a ton of credit for going outside of what's really our element in our comfort zone, which is running the ball. And we turned into a real pass-heavy offense today. So let's go over to defense. And I think you and me are going to praise Matt Ufus for a second straight week. If you think about it, really, outside of those two uh, quick drives, where I thought, honestly, the Colts played a little passive, it was the um, field goal right before half that the Texans got. And then that one drive in the third quarter where uh, you mentioned it, where they just moved the ball really quickly on our defense. I mean, the Colts only gave up outside of those two drives 13 points. And that's impressive with – the two defenses that we just played, Kansas City gave up 13-2, and Houston, we, we still gave up 23-2. So hold both of those offenses to under 30 points when both of them were red hot coming in coming into our matchup. That is just very impressive. we got to give a lot, a lot of credit to Matt Eberflus. 
Yeah, he he deserves a ton of it. I mean, you're still missing Malik Hooker, Kenny Moore, who's a, an extremely important piece in your blitz packages and in in your in, inside uh, coverages and you know tackler. He's a big cog in that defense. He was out of this game, so they were still missing a couple big pieces. And he's plugged first and second year guys seamlessly into the fold here. And and you know you talk about the praise we we give him, but you know this is this is what he's capable of doing. I mean, the first four weeks of the season, we were so frustrated because that's not what he can be. That's not what this defense should be. The last couple weeks, they've done exactly what we've needed to do. You know, there wasn't nearly as much man. But I talked about in the preview show, it's not as much about the man versus zone. It's about disguising and being aggressive and confusing and making teams work. And that's what we saw today. You know, this was this was really reminiscent of the defense last year where we didn't allow any gaping runs. I mean, this the run defense today was extremely stout. It was by far the most impressive run defense performance we've had this year. And, and because of that, they forced them into a lot of second and third and longs. And what happens is they allow the underneath throws, but then they wrap up and they tackle. That's what this defense at its core is supposed to be. But when we were early on in the season giving up run after run after run and we're playing 10 yards off the ball, those things aren't going to happen. And now you're going to start seeing this defense kind of move back to form, I think, where it's, you know, the run defense shores up and having Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker back in their respective positions really helps that. Um, and the defensive line played improved again this week. Uh, you know, so I think that that with this defense getting back to what it's doing, you're going to see a lot closer to the defense that gave up 15 points per game over the last, you know, 10 games of the season versus what we saw the first four games this season, which was really just just horrific play and something that, you know, it was hard to watch. And I'm just really impressed by the last two performances of this defense. I think Matt Eberflus in this defense is back on track. I got, I even thought of it. I thought it was going to take a while for this defense to really get into full to their top level play. And we even saw last year where it, it took a while, like second half of the year is when they really started taking off. And I think right now the defense is starting to peak and that's a, that's a good sign. Of course they got Darius Leonard back today and he got that key interception to, to close the game. Clayton Gathers, I even, I even thought Clayton Gathers played fairly good for his return and he didn't play all, every snap on defense. But another thing, you even texted me before the game. If we can get to Deshaun Watson to pressure him, and uh, we could get him off his mark, he could he could throw some ducks, and he could throw, he can get off off target. And you know we saw it we saw it we blitzed him a couple times in early in the game. We got to him uh, I want to say three or four times in the game. Um, but yeah, we got Deshaun Watson off his mark. He threw that lazy pass across the field that got intercepted by Pierre Desir. And credit to the Colts, they only had two turnovers going into the game. They and they forced two. Uh, on in today's matchup, which was probably the difference of the game, really, and of course we'll get into um, the situational downs and everything like that. But we got I'm very pl- pleased with the defense. They gave up a couple big runs, but they didn't allow you know big run after big run. Uh, so I'm very I, I'm very pleased with how the defense played. Uh, Deshaun Watson only threw for 308 yards, and he threw two interceptions, of course. So he did have a you know Deshaun Watson light game. But our defense still was able to hold him down offensively. Yeah, and that, that's a credit to Matt Eberflus understanding the tape. I mean, you know, I messaged you that before the game. And when you watch Deshaun Watson, the, that's, that's some of the chinks in his armor. 
the two things. Number one, if you get him off the mark early in a game, he can miss open passes. I mean, yes, he he was arguably the hottest quarterback in the league coming in. He had he had vaulted himself into the MVP race. But a lot of that, too, you know, the defenses that he played the last couple of weeks weren't making him work for anything. I mean, and if he if he gets into a rhythm, he's almost unstoppable. I mean, he's an incredible talent. But Matt Eberflus understands that, number one, you have to get him off his marks. And number two, he's still a guy that can be had in terms of pre-snap uh, recognition. He's not a guy that's going to pick you apart pre-snap and post-snap. He likes to know what he's looking at and be able to just throw the ball. You know, he, he's not he's not a very he's not a Peyton Manning like quarterback where, you know, he's going to call a lot of audibles and be able to 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 trick you on, uh, on what he's doing offensively. He's he's just a baller. I mean, he takes a snap. He wants to make plays. He wants to make incredible throws. But early on, if you get him out of his element and, you know, the Colts had him running backwards a lot, which was which was huge. Their lane discipline was huge. And they had him running backwards a lot, and he didn't have those opportunities early to start feeling himself, and that led to open misses later on in the game. And that's why I was so excited early on to see them do those things because it led to him being out of his element. It led to a lot of bad passes. It, like you said, the interception of this year was just an awful decision. He missed some throws in the flat. He really just wasn't super sharp today, and I credit Matt Eberflus for doing his part and getting him off his game and, and credit a lot of young guys on this team going up against an extremely hot offense coming into this game. They unfortunately lost Will Fuller, you know, early on in that game, but still they, they got Kenny stills back. They were running the ball. Well, with Carlos Hyde, that offensive line had looked improved. We got, we got to Watson quite a bit today, um, you know, and, and they just had have an array of pass catchers and Deshaun Watson was playing out of his mind and we held them to to what I felt like was was about a 14 to 17 point performance. I mean, in my mind, based off of the health of Houston and the fact that the fact that Deshaun Watson was playing so well coming into this game, I, I felt like that was a more impressive performance than even the Kansas City game because you had such a complete dynamic offense. Kansas City was really one-dimensional. Houston going into this game, I, I was wondering how we were going to stop them because they just were doing it in all facets. And Matt Eberflus really shut this offense down and they did an outstanding job. A couple of key moments when, you know, Brissett fumbles that ball. We only give up a, a field goal. It was another short drive. We only give up a field goal. I mean, those two moments really changed the game. And they 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 altered the outcome of that game. Obviously, with us winning, you know, by seven points, Th those things changed the game. And and that was a huge credit to this defense bowing up against a high quality offense and getting the job done at home, home in a game they really had to have. Let's go into the situationals because we thought we even put that as our number one key to the game. Indianapolis went eight of sixteen on third down, and they had that old. They went old for one on fourth. Houston went four of twelve on third down and one of three on fourth down they also were two of five in the red zone while the colts were four of four and that i think was probably the major difference and early on it showed because the colts they went down i think it was two of their two two of their possessions the first two possessions went down scored touchdowns houston their first two possessions went down and got field goals and i think the colts were up what 14 to 9 at halftime and the colts got up 21 to 9 I mean, just holding the Texans, especially after that fumble, because that fumble put them at the five-yard line. And uh, even even I was, I think, I don't know if I texted you or not, but I'm thinking, man, this is probably going to be a touchdown right here. And you know the Texas offense, like we've been saying, it's a really good offense, and they're eventually going to score touchdowns in the red zone. But I thought right there that was when they could have really gained their momentum in the game. Uh, but they, our defense really stiffened up in the red zone and only gave up those nine points at the first half, but 
that third down conversion, I didn't realize we were only four of twelve. I thought, or I, I thought Houston was a little bit better than that on fourth on third down. It just seemed like they kept going to Hopkins, and that's probably the one thing I'm gonna have against this defense. Uh, I'll have to watch the film, but they played a little bit too much man-to-man coverage. Because if we're being honest, DeAndre Hopkins was very good against us. He's like he's probably the top three best receiver in the league. It was clear that Pierre Desir didn't practice all week, and of course, if you're gonna let anybody beat you, I, I'm fine with DeAndre Hopkins beating us and not Will Fuller. But really, I thought our defense played so well, especially in the situa- situational downs, and our offense. Our offense, we talked about with chunk plays. Houston had that one deep throw to Kenny Stills late in the game. But the Colts, you kept, every time you looked up, they were hitting on you know 20-yard passes, 30-yard passes, and a lot of deep completions from the passing offense, which is something we've been wanting to see ever since really week one, really, when we started the season. And we, we got it this week. So I got to give yeah. credit to the Colts for winning all the situational plays. Yeah, the, the Texans came in number one in third down number one in the red zone. I mean, that was just such a huge part of us winning this game with us not playing well in the red zone. And with Houston coming in as the best red zone team in the NFL, I felt like that was a swing point. Who could score touchdowns down? And you have to give just so much credit to Jacoby for having a bounce back game in terms of the last couple games. He had, had kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of his red zone efficiency. And then also defensively, I mean, you held the best red zone scoring offense into, into how many field goals they kicked four today. I think they three. kicked four field goals, three field goals. And you did that with, with a defense that, you know, again, coming into this game had, had struggled early on in the and, season. I mean, you're th- one of the worst. Yeah. And all three of those those field goals early in the first half were it wasn't like they were getting to like the ten yard line or whatnot. I know the one where they got backed up real deep and had to kick like a thirty or forty yard field goal, but two of those possessions where they kicked field goals, they got down to like the five yard line. Like we're not talking, you know, ten to fifteen yard line. We're talking about the five yard line where you know you really need your defense to stiffen up. Yeah, and again, we talk about the calling cards of, you know, last year's defense. What was another one? Red zone defense. I mean, this this defense was phenomenal in the red zone last year, and it's extremely encouraging to see this defense play so well in the red zone for back-to-back weeks. And I was circling this game, especially because of how good Houston is in that area, um, how good Deshaun Watson's been, and, and Bill O'Brien's play calling has been. And, you know, I mean, they, they just couldn't have asked for a better outcome. I mean, in terms, I mean, you know, you would maybe have a couple turnovers down there, I guess. But, you know, realistically, to force three field goals when, like you said, they were deep, deep, deep into our territory a couple times. And, and like you said, after that fumble, you're you're kind of chalking it up to 10 to 7. And, and you know, they bow up inside their own 10-yard line. And it was just extremely impressive. We can't say it enough in terms of how huge the defense was today in terms of, you know, like you said, the situational. We just really dominated where we had to situationally. You know, the penalties, the third downs, the the red zone. And that circles back to our coaching staff. I mean, they deserve a ton of credit for week in and week out. You know, we're not undefeated, you know, all this. But week in and week out, I feel like we've, generally played cleaner football than our opponents. I mean, we, we have not shot ourselves in the foot a ton with penalties, you know, a ton with drops like it was last year. And, and we've played really clean sound football all year. And and that's what you have to do. If you want to have success and win week in and week out, because Houston shot themselves in the foot a lot. You talk about that one drive where they backed themselves up. It was like 20 yards on penalties. You know, they cost themselves three or four first downs because of their penalties. We didn't really have that issue. We had the, the series where Jack Doyle got caught 
called on the holding and it put us back and then we weren't able to recover in that situation. But generally, we were vastly superior in terms of our situational ability to convert and be able to score down in the red zone and score touchdowns. And it gave us the cushion we needed and the points we needed to come away with a victory. Yeah, I even texted you this. I said it's like a flag fest for every opponent we've been playing, especially recently. Houston had 10 penalties. We had six. But here's the big difference. We The Indianapolis Colts got five first downs via penalty. The Texans didn't get any. And that's pretty. That's a pretty big difference. Like five first downs, that continues, you know, that continues at least two or three extra drive to where you end up scoring touchdowns or get, you know, at least a field goal. Yeah, and that, I mean, you know, that that's the difference in coaching. I mean, and that, that that was my big talking point in the preview show is that, you know, Frank Reich's teams don't do that. I mean, we've seen Bill O'Brien's teams. I mean, Houston's incredibly talented. They have talent all across that team. But when you don't coach discipline and you don't coach details, things like today happen. Are they more talented than the Colts? It's arguable. They definitely have more top-end talent. You know, maybe we have the depth. But, I mean, they have the talent to be a 12-13 to 13 win team. I mean, with the way Deshaun Watson has evolved this year, with the way their offense is balanced, with their front seven, they, they should be better than what you saw today. I mean, they... I expected Houston to come in and give us a much cleaner, healthier fight. I gave them a lot of credit in the preview show for being a different team this year. And really they reverted right back to what they were last year. It looked a lot like last year's Houston teams. And I think that a lot of that has to do with Houston went back to playing a well-coached football team. So the, so the water kind of found its medium there and the Colts, a big part of this win was us not shooting ourselves in the foot, the way Houston shot themselves in the foot. We took advantage of their mistakes for the most part, and we didn't make too many backbreaking mistakes ourselves. So again, that's a credit to coaching and that's how you win in this league. It's the details. And a lot of, a lot of things in the NFL now are lost in terms of just little details like that. And I think that Frank Reich does such a great job in making sure that this team plays disciplined, sound football that doesn't beat itself. So the Colts move on to two four and two on the year. They're now two and zero in the division. Like I said, they're in first place in the division. And uh, as of right now, of course, we're recording this. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are actually beating the Baltimore Ravens, so that's good. The Colts can, like we said, if Baltimore loses, they go to the third seed in the AFC South or in the AFC overall. Uh, the Colts will have the Denver Broncos at home next Sunday in a very winnable game for the Colts. Uh, we'll have the preview show for you later on this week. We appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show. We hope you guys have a good rest of the day.